Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. So every week we put out multiple episodes to help you on your jiu-jitsu journey. Now, it's a privilege for us to be in this position, but we want to ask one thing from you. And this is a very small gesture on your part, but it means the world to us. Simply hit the follow or subscribe button on whichever platform you enjoy this podcast on. It means the world to us. Thank you. Why does it take it so long to get a black belt in BJJ? This is a mystery. It takes forever. Most people, 10 years, 20 years, it is the elusive thing, the black belt. We all want to get it, but why does it take so freaking long? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to unpack why it has taken people in the past a long time and then maybe things that we could change to get there a bit quicker. Right on. Now you, Joe, how long did it take you to get to the illustrious black belt? It was 13 years, I think. Yes, yes. I'm shit at looking back at dates and stuff. But yeah, I think it was about that. Ish, yeah. Yep. You? Nine and a half, just, just shy of the 10-year mark. Nice. But I actually don't think getting a black belt quicker dictates quality of black belt. No. Because there's – does anyone think that? I think there has been an association like, oh, they must be really good. Yeah. Man, he got his brown belt in two years. Shout yeah. out Josh Saunders. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he's a monster, but I don't think that necessarily dictates quality. No, nah, no, nah, I don't either. But I do, I do think that, that that fast growth thing is always kind of impressive for, for those watching because Just you're rising like – Rising up to the – Yeah, right? It's fast, rapid progress. It's a very complicated thing, isn't it? I mean, I've tried to unpack Jiu-Jitsu for myself so I can understand it better in terms of the physical vocabulary, like how you move, you know, like it's pretty complicated. And then also just the technical understanding – also, gi versus no gi, gripping, you know, things that you would do on your feet as a grappler, very different to things you would do when you're on your back. These are very different games and approaches to grappling in general. Right, like kind of different skill sets in a way. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel very different. And so in that regard, no one ever breaks this down for you. Coach is like, yeah, just come to class. Just keep showing up. Yeah. You know, black belt is a white belt that never quit. Yeah. No, often there's white belts who never quit and they're still from white belts eight years later. You know, <laughs> there's there's some things that we need to change. Well, if they hadn't have all done all those little micro quits throughout, <laughs> you'd hope they'd be a bit further along. Right? <laughs> <A> micro quit. <laughs> you, we all know those people who are like, oh, I've been on this belt for eight, but they're like train for a month or two, take a couple months off, off yeah, back. Yeah, it's definitely the consistency piece, right? And things come up. You start a business, you have a family. There's a lot of reasons why it takes a long time to get your black belt. Yeah. But I would say that a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt is probably one of the hardest things to get. Like it's so – it's such a complicated topic. Like I've tried to unpack and just try to understand jiu-jitsu better and as a topic – like if we think of the subtopics as guards, takedowns, transitions, it's fucking massive. It's so big. As a body of knowledge, it's so big. And I think if often entrepreneurs say like, oh, if I knew how hard this was going to be when I started, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. If you knew at the outset as a beginner how long it would take you to get any good and just – Well, not how long but how hard it would How be. hard it is to get good yeah. and even then how much you still kind of – don't know and suck it's 
It's pretty confronting. Yeah, it's hard to say that you would do it again given the choice. Yeah. Yeah. And also the litany of injuries. Yeah. How many injuries? We could, I mean, we've talked so many stories, right? Yeah. You just think about the bodily harm you do in the name of being a warrior. Yeah. Yeah, you put it all on the line just to impress the coach. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, why, why does it take so long? What do we – Let's break it what down. What is the great mystery? Let, let's break it down. Well, I think it's because no one ever breaks it down into its component elements and then everybody learns differently. And so some people, as you know, I'm not someone who believes in talent. I don't believe in – what did you say? Uh, what, what did we call you? Yoram uh, A physical freak? Yeah. Freak of nature? I don't yeah. believe in freaks of nature. Now, obviously, there's some people who are seven foot tall. You don't believe in freaks of nature? No. Okay. Like you come out of the womb, you have your genetic makeup. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you end up expressing it. Right. You know, I saw a guy in Ireland who but was- do some? Seven foot- I don't know. Maybe. But what I'm saying is genetics is a blueprint. It doesn't mean you end up building a- an amazing building. No, it's a potential. It's a potential, right? Yeah. But if people realizing their potential is, you know, subject to many things and psychology and circumstance and situation has a lot to do with it. There's lots of luck involved as well, right? Yeah. It's just the right coach with the right. If but my, like, but just say, take a, take top Olympic sprinter, take a Usain Bolt. Yeah, but he has. So let's look. But, he, at, but are you saying that if if anyone else came up in the same conditions he did? Let's say they're exactly scoliosis, but born from a different six. Yeah, but born from a different family, but came through the exact same. That they would end up being able to do that too. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm saying that, for example, uh, Maurice Green, who broke ten seconds, I think it was nine nine or nine point eight, back in two thousand two thousand one. He was the cannonball, the human cannonball. He's American or British. uh, Maurice Green is. uh, I think American. He could. Yeah, I believe he's American. He, I always sprint with the gold chains, the Americans. Yeah, love it. Man, yeah. it's incredible. But yeah, he, he's five foot ten, five foot eleven. He was considered to be the perfect build for hundred meter sprinting. Right. They never assumed that anyone taller, even though it makes sense. If you had someone with longer legs, greater stride, fewer strides, faster strides, that they could be faster. There's often these things within science sports science that get updated as they go right challenges the paradigm yeah and yeah. i and i'm saying i i think that uh when i look at a guy like um usain bolt that he he's not a freak but he is an exception to the rule if that makes sense yeah so you know who choose your wording yeah well no it's not wording no 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 I'm just no, but I, I guess I'm saying that he, if if you took him as a young man yeah. you wouldn't go this is going to be the fastest man in the world. No the but guy often, has actually severe scoliosis. But, but we often don't know those things right? That's kind of the it all comes out in the wash. But I'm saying he's successful in spite of his genetics. To be 6 foot 6 you know Jamaican and have scoliosis doesn't say I'm going to be a world beater in 100 meters. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah I do. Whereas people are like oh he was destined it was meant from God. No, I don't believe that's true. But this is what I wanted to say. If you've got someone who's done sports from a young age and learns very well by seeing and doing, that's someone who could do quite well if you just go, oh, do a cartwheel. They do it a couple of times. Like, I'm pretty good at cartwheels. How's your algebra? Really bad. <laughs> okay, you're going to do a lot more physical stuff, bro. Like that's how you're going to go, you know? Yeah. And that's not because that guy couldn't have learned well, that girl couldn't have learned algebra, just much harder path. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like path of least resistance. Yeah. So yep. you go that way and it has a compounding effect. Yeah. 
we have lots of people joining jujitsu who don't have necessarily the athletic background. We have some people, ex-powerlifters, ex-rugby players, and it's like, well, that person has spent – Ex-wrestlers. Ex-wrestlers. That's a bit of a menace in the States right now. Nightmare, right? Yep. All these kind of nerdy guard puller jujitsu guys like, man, I'm just – Stop using so much strength strength on me. me. God, deny your athleticism. Trying to work my guard. Keep passing it. (laughs) How am I supposed to work my guard when you pass it? What's with the – takedowns that so well jits is a very um it's not specialized in its requirements isn't it's very broad broad so you could be a guard player or you could be a top game player or you could just be that long and lanky you could be that yeah you could be short and valige ismail yeah you know so that's the interesting thing and that's what makes jujitsu universal that anybody can kind of come in to it yeah and it's all about making whatever you've got work for you but I believe part of the reason why it takes so long to get a black belt is the coach is the limiting factor. Oh, tell me more. Okay. So, for example, and I like shout out respectfully. <laughs> I'm saying that like in a John Jones. Respectfully. Ugh, suck it. <laughs> no. Um, Peter DeBean, I started at Peter DeBean's. Pete is 6'2 in height and a long-legged human. Right. Shorter torso, long legs. He trained under Carlos Gracie Jr., um, under the kind of GB lineage and, you know, Hodger Gracie, close guard was all the, the big thing, maybe a little bit of half guard. I have really short legs. So that was my first gym and they just played close guard. So, I mean, my adductors were already pretty strong. They got stronger because it was really hard for me to just lock my legs around another yeah. man, <laughs> you know, and especially when those humans get big. And then as soon as I tried to bring up like X guard or butterfly guard or like this other stuff I'd heard of, People are like, oh, don't say that to Pete. You'll never get your blue belt. We don't do that here. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. that's like dark arts. And I was like, what the fuck? Marcelo Garcia, this guy I've heard of, is apparently the best in the world and apparently he does X guard. I want to learn the X guard. You know, and, and here's the thing that no one had ever said to me. Oh, you've got shorter legs. Maybe you'd be better at X. Yeah. Or you'd be better at butterfly guard or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, you do your close guard. And that was coming from the coach. Yep. Same thing as it might be leg locks or whatever. Maybe you don't practice it at your gym or maybe your coach is an ex-judo player. You know, so, you, you just, man, you do a ton of takedowns and all that and you maybe your guard's not as good because of your coach's experience. Yeah. Right? So I was pretty much a guard player for the first seven years of my life because my two coaches at that time, which was – uh, Peter Debean and Dan Cherubin, shout out. They're predominantly guard players. And then there was a point at which Dan was like, nah, we need to get a judo coach in and learn takedowns. And yeah, it was, it was, and I made a transition at that point from around Purple Belt to do more top game stuff. Right. So that's what I wanted to say is that we trust our coaches and that's cool, but the limited scope of our coach often influences the limited scope of our jujitsu. Yes. So would you say that you've experienced something mm. similar? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would. Yeah, I think that's a huge factor, right? The coach being able to give you the thing that you need at the right time. Mm. And, and you know, whatever. For the coach who's trying to generally run the business, it's like it's a big ask. But, but yeah, you can see how maybe going to one gym versus another, you might like very different uh, very different outcomes in terms of your jiu-jitsu development. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, tied into that is – is also the way that most of us engage with jiu-jitsu, which is most of us, I would say, engage with, hey, I'm going to show up here a couple times a week. I'm going to have a couple off weeks here and there, get sick every now and again, take a holiday. Sure. You know, 
So I'm not going to be hyper consistent, but you yeah. know, I'll be around. Yeah. In a sense, that approach is not lending itself to the fastest trajectory, is it? Yeah. Because the fastest trajectory is coach, I'm here five days Every a week. Day. I'm going to study at home. You tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, you know, there's, yeah, I mean, there's Jeremy Paul Skinner. He's basically the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it speaks to a younger shout out JPS. Yeah. Respect, respectfully. Um, I think it speaks to a younger person. I, I brought a very competitive mentality to jiu-jitsu and the person who got the fastest black belt in my kind of jiu-jitsu generation was Kit Dale. Yes, and infamous. Infamously quick. And, you know, Kit is a phenomenal athlete. He is. Uh, not taking anything away from Fuck that. You guys have got similar body types, eh? Hey? We do. So similar. We do, except I got a bit more legs. He's got a bit more back. Right. But, yeah. In no, terms Kit, of mass? Yeah, Kit right. and I side by side. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kit is phenomenally strong as well. Like, a, you know, a role with Kit. Very rare that I would ever beat Kit in a role. And anyone can say that. Even speaking with Craig, Lockie, any, anyone who's rolled with Kit, he's really good at working out your game and just fucking you up. Right. He's amazing at that. What I witnessed was some people got progressed really quickly, but then once they got to black belt, there were some holes, right? Yeah. And, and we would probably see that in anybody's learning Anybody who went up really quickly, whether it's physical development or they're in school or they got accelerated, you get to a point where, yeah, you, because you didn't spend as much time in a place, there was less time for trial and error, less time for development, maybe you're not as well-rounded, even though you might be a great competitor. You might be a really shitty coach. You might be a shitty leader. Yeah. You might have a lot of qualities you haven't developed. Whereas you get a guy like, say uh, – Lachlan Giles took him 14 years, maybe 15 years to get his black belt. He's incredibly well-rounded. His general knowledge of jiu-jitsu is fucking as big as anyone I know. Like he, he would definitely be up there with like a Danaher or a Andre Galvan because he's just spent so much time nerding out on the shit and trial and error and making mistakes. And because he's so humble with it, he's very apt to go, I don't know what that is. So then he'll spend time studying it. Yeah. Which is, I, I think, very valuable. So I think we've got to acknowledge, one, the knowledge base, the technical knowledge base of jiu-jitsu is just fucking massive. Thing, you get to black belt and then you go, holy shit, I'm still, there's new stuff. And that's the other thing too, jiu-jitsu is evolving as well. Yeah. It's not like it's a static set of information something new comes in, you're like, fuck, i got to learn that now? Yeah. It's constantly updating. So it's incredibly challenging to be, to stay up on a certain level of knowledge in jiu-jitsu. But then the physical piece, this is the other thing which I feel, you know, this is what we're obsessed with. This is what we're all about. That's why we've created our program. People physically preparing themselves for jiu-jitsu has been inadequate. It's not been right. And people have tried to borrow stuff from different places like, oh, I'll do bodybuilding, I'll do CrossFit, I'll do whatever. But then ultimately those different ways to prepare the body have limitations which might conflict with jiu-jitsu. But preparing the body for the rigors and then dealing with injury, I think that is a huge thing. And I know that I lost at least two years to injury and that's why it took me nine and a half years to get a black belt. Yeah. I think I could have got there sooner if I didn't spend so much time with an ice pack on my fucking knee or at the physio. Or- Absolutely. Right. So look, you know, so question on that then is, could you have done it in a different way where you weren't, where you didn't cop that two years of cumulative injury? Yeah. I, well, like you're a guy that's always looked after yourself. Yeah. I, Obviously no, no, burned I think, the candle at both ends a bit in terms no, of training hard. No, no, no. I think injuries are inevitable, but like level of injury. 
Yeah, duration know? of injury. Yeah, like, you know, a niggle that has you maybe off the mat for two or three weeks versus months. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I kind of started to add up like that knee injury, you know, broken ribs, you know, herniated disc, all these things. Like it kind of accumulates over time. You go, whoa, that's a year. Like I lost I, – I probably lost a year at, at Blue Belt. Oh, fuck, the six months at Purple. That was a really bad hip injury there. My God, and I tally it all up. I'm like – it's pretty much two years of time not doing jujitsu. While well, still kind of being in, I hadn't quit. I hadn't. I just wanted to go back, but I fucking couldn't. Yeah. And even for me now, I don't. I don't. My body feels great because I don't train jujitsu that much. <laughs> like it's 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 minimal. It's minimal effective dose. But when you're in it and you're on that question, like I could get this fucking black belt, going harder in or my blue opinion. belt or whatever. Or what, it is. But yeah, like you're not gonna. The next belt, which yeah. ultimately will lead. The next step that leads to the ultimate, whatever you might say. I, I would say if I had not gone quite as hard, this sounds pretty counterintuitive, I would have got there quicker. Yeah. Because in my mind I'm like, yeah. well, if I just train twice a day every day, I'll get there quicker. Yeah. No, this is a, a false economy. Totally agree from my own journey as well. I think the thing where – you know, and I think in in reality how it plays out is most people aren't getting into it being like, what is, like, what do I need to do with my life in order just, to get to black belt as quick as possible? Like, it's just not. Some people, but I'm some, saying it's a younger. Some, but it, even then, right, the majority of folks are like, oh, I really enjoy this thing. I want to keep doing it and get better. Okay, let's start engaging with it. Let's start training. And then you're on this path and it's part of your life. It's not your whole life. True. You know, so in that way, it's like, well, it, it has to fit in sometimes. But, but people do, we all know people who hit that froth phase. Oh, where they make it their life. Yeah. They're like, oh, I've changed my work schedule. Yeah. You know, even yeah. I, it does, you know, older blokes being like. But even for those people, I would argue most of them are not going in with a systematic plan of how they're going to get to purple belt, brown belt. They're going in to train as much as they can. Yeah. And, but, that's, and that's that mentality of just show up. Yeah, but under the proviso of getting better at jiu-jitsu, which is really the bedrock of belts. Yeah, yeah, what it represents. So, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, really, the belt is the byproduct of the improvement. Usually, usually. That's what we would say, depending on how you're graded. But I'm going to say something right now. I'm going to say something that's, I don't know if it's controversial, but I'm going to say it. Uh Uh-oh. You're only in jiu-jitsu for 10 years, if you're lucky. That's it. I don't even think you'll make 10 years. So are you going to get a black belt? Are you going to retire as a shitty injured purple belt? Are you just going to be that hardcore stalwart brown belt who's holding out like one day I'll come back? No, you probably won't. You will probably not make it the black belt. Why? Why, why, why? Because we've not been able to better address these things of learning, looking after our bodies and just thinking about it in the long term. With anything, we always got to start with the end in mind. So I know that you go, most people aren't thinking about that. You fucking should. Like you should. If you're going to commit any portion of your life, let's say you live to be 100, five years is still, you know, it's, it's a good percentage of your life. It's 5%. Yeah. Right? And most of us won't live that long. So what I'm saying, the reason why I'm saying all this, the reason why I'm passionate about this is I'd love everyone who really cares about jiu-jitsu to get that point of being a black belt because it's like a really interesting process you build it up to be this thing but then you i think the kind of black belt sagely wisdom that comes with it is like oh okay this isn't 
it's not magical. It's great. It feels good. It's like great, but it's like you then come to realize this thing that you were shooting for the whole time is not the thing. It's that process and your friends and you know, it's like a you've lived a lifetime in a condensed period. Yeah. That's that's what I feel about it. Yeah. And and I would love everybody who's listening to this, wherever you're at on the journey, I want you to get that black belt. But if you don't do it in 10 years, it is the very few who stick it out 15, 20 years. Because most people, life happens, right? And hey, you you quit, right? Like it's Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean you can't come back, but a lot of people don't. That was a, like a near miss, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's easy to – I was very close to not coming back for a long time there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, my friends. Nice sentiment to end on. Well, I just – I wish you all the best and I want everyone to get there. So let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.